Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boostar and this is episode 12. This week, I sat down with Tim Bradbury, someone who grew up in Ohio and moved to California with hopes of making it on the big screen. He's been through a lot, but he's also never given up. Here's an inside look on what it means to pursue a world of acting. asleep watching scrubs that was like my favorite show growing up and we just was just always watching like it was it was a family thing like we would all we would all gather to like watch movies or watch tv shows at like the end of the day and it was just kind of a yeah family raised yeah when did Mm -hmm. it become something that was more than just watching movies with your family you saw it more as like an art form and something that I don't know. You looked at movies differently than before, you know? I think the first thing was in like high school and me and a couple friends were just like shooting videos and it was just for like school projects, but it was really fun. And I was, I was doing like a lot of stunts in the videos and I just, I don't know, like all actors, I like the attention from that. <laughs> And then in college, obviously, got a little more involved and learned a lot more. And voice and breath work really stood out as, like, you know, something that, like, connected on, like, an emotional, like, spiritual, like, something I've never, you know. Sure. What is, uh, what does that mean, voice and breath work? Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, like, just courses at Ashland University. Um, there's certain like voice and breath workshops and classes, courses that, I mean, (laughs) I wish I wasn't, you know, drinking and smoking as much weed back then, but that I could appreciate it more, Mm -hmm. but it was just like, you know, a connection to your mind and body a little more. Yeah. Did he go into school with those intentions of going into film and media and all that? Yeah. I knew I wanted to do like film and media, um, but wasn't really sure what specifically. And I kind of just treated college like, you know, party. Yeah. Like most people do. (laughs) Sure. But at that time, were you still exploring different films and stuff like that? And were you getting into, I guess, different facets of filmmaking? Were you starting to get interested in, you know, writing, which I know is a big part of what you Mm -hmm. do now? Um, You know, as much as you may have been partying and doing different things like that, were you also, I guess, setting a foundation for, you know, artists and finding different things that will inspire you for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, that was one of the reasons, like, I joined a fraternity because the fraternity was... It was all like theater majors and poli sci. So it's very interesting how those two like go together, you know, especially in like today's culture of how politically it is a theater and, you know, vice versa. Yeah. 
when did it become something that, you know, what film kind of like set the precedent for you wanting to, you know, go and seek this as a career for yourself? Was there an actor or a film or a director? And were you always looking at the lead actor or was it other parts of filmmaking? I would say like Johnny Depp, Heath Ledger, those like character roles. I mean, one of my fraternity brothers said once like, guys, wait, you let Tim watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Oh, we've lost him. He's going to be gone. <laughs> yeah. It was basically like, don't do not do that. You're taking like the genie out of the bottle. Because mm-hmm. I was already kind of wild and yeah. Was it films like that that kind of, I don't know, that sort of acting where those actors go super deep into character and, you know, Heath Ledger, Johnny Depp with that movie and, you know, Walking Phoenix, obviously more recently with Joker and stuff. And uh, having this concept of really going deep into character, did that stem from something? Did that stem from you wanting to escape reality in a way? Yeah, totally. I feel like, you know, life is what you make it and they're just escaping into this like pure fantasy, fun, wild you know, hedonistic, almost like unleashed potential of just whether it's, you know, Heath Ledger being absolute like anarchy and chaos in the dark night, or I, I still haven't seen Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker, but I need to. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah. the same concept, I mean, it is something that you, you know, are aware of, you know, mm-hmm. just the character study that went into that and dedicating your life and your health and your well-being and all that to to embody know. it for a film or even you know even if you're not even the main person if you're just a scene yeah yeah how does that look when did i don't know i think a lot of people as much as they would be like yeah i, I could totally do that realistically <laughs> they probably wouldn't have the passion and the drive to really you know put themselves in that situation do you think for you, as someone who wants to pursue that, that's never really been a question? Yeah, that's a good question. I would I would totally say that. Yeah. Like you gotta have your you know, your morals and your ethics and then just stay true to you and be as dedicated as to your art as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. you first came over here, what did the acting look like what were you what were the first couple like roles and stuff and your introduction introduction to hollywood oh god uh i was like broke as joke <laughs> i had i came over with like 1800 dollars, and sure. my rent was 1100 in universal city okay great look great location um i remember i like the first one of the first big roles i booked was just featured background and that was on a Maroon 5 video huh. with, with, uh, or Adam Lambert video with Wiz Khalifa. Interesting. Okay. Huh. I was, yeah, <laughs> they, there was three of us and we were each, there was just three valets and it was like, oh, cool. I'm the white valet. They had me as the white valet. They had like a Latino valet and a black valet. And they're like, all right, which one do you want? <laughs> For like opening Wiz Khalifa's car. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I was funny. like, oh, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Was there a lot of yeah. that? Did you see 
I guess, I don't know, the politics and kind of the behind the scenes aspect of Hollywood and stuff that maybe you weren't aware of before you came to California? Oh, yeah, totally. That was that was a massive eye opener. Uh, I mean, obviously, anywhere you'll see like a lot of nepotism, but it makes sense. You're going to hire your friends and the people you work with. But that was the thing that I was like, okay, this is obvious that if you want to make it, you need to come up with your own friends, with your own people, with your own crew. Like, yeah, I'll do this. You do that. And we'll all rise together. Sure. I mean, that was like Wes Anderson and, you know, yeah, Seth Rogen, all those groups of people. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Adam Sandler, you know, just all those teams, those teams. Yeah. I think I saw who you have to have your team. Yeah. I remember Bobby Lee talking about that on his podcast with Andrew Santino about how he wanted his whole life, you know, to get into the Adam Sandler, like gang of people, you know, he wanted, he's like, I wanted to get into that group. You know, I auditioned for every Adam Sandler movie. All I wanted to do was just get in and, uh, you'll see that. Yeah. With the, I mean, a lot of directors, Tarantino, Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. you know, you see the same collective group of people and that's because they're within that family. And, uh, yeah, you know, you work well together and yeah, once you're in the team, it's like, Hey, yeah, we got this part. We're already writing it for these people in mind. And this is our team. Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan, all of them, all of them do that. Yeah. So when you realize that, did it become more of a community for you? Did you go out and have to like, you know, seek different people that shared a different, like the same creative mindset as you, you know, you were like, I need to find, writers and videographers and different things like that and try to put a team together. I did. And then we would always get up to like some certain point or somewhere. And then someone's ego or someone's like fear of the project not working out and it would like all fall apart. Hmm. So it, it, it just kept getting to like different phases for different projects. And it, I mean, it's partially cause you know, you're, you're working with people who haven't done it and I mean, you haven't done it either. So you're all just kind of trying to work into the unknown and hoping that this will be something. But LA is also a very like, you know, ego, egotistical place. Sure. So people are, people are doing things from like wrong motives. Yeah. And it's why LA gets the rap it gets. Like people always say like, Oh yeah, I, I hate LA. It has no soul because people are so fake there. Because mm-hmm. they're all just trying to be like, who do you know? Who who are you? How can you help me? How can you boost my career? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was partially why I was like, I gotta get out of LA. People aren't real here. Sure. And then the people who are real aren't trying to be in the business. Yeah. So mm-hmm. was it just? I mean, how long were you there for? And were you, you know, living in an apartment with other people that were? pursuing the same dream or was it so i lived in my universal city, universal city place for one year and was doing acting classes that whole thing and that was by acting yourself hmm? that was by yourself um interesting situation like i had i was moving out to california with one of my fraternity brothers but he was like alumni so his brother 
was the one who I was really friends with. And he, I was moving out to, you know, out to <laughs> La La Land with his older brother. And his older brother came out for like a week and then left. Hmm. And he gave me like a, he left like a weird roommate. Like he invited some weird roommate to live with us, even though he wasn't even living there. And then, so like, she was like lived with us for like a month before I was like, you got to leave. You're not, <laughs> you're not paying rent. Yeah. And, and Steven's not even here anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I had one of my soccer teammates come stay with me. But he was just kind of a, you know, chill stoner. So he wasn't even trying to act or do anything. And it just became more of a, you know, let's just smoke weed and hang out. Sure. Non non productive. And then and and then he moved out. And then I had an actor friend who I'd met out here move in. And then the there, I had two friends who were twins who I went to school with, who I was, we were all going to move out together, but I dropped out of school and moved out earlier. So then they graduated and moved out and moved in. So at one point there's like four of us living in a one bedroom. Eh, there was like three of us living in a one bedroom apartment. I ended up moving out and moving in with Sarah, my now wife. And then those three were there. Meanwhile, I'm still paying for the place and my name's on the rent and I'm not even living there. And I'm like, all right, you guys got to go like lease is up. I'm not paying. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then I lived with Sarah, my wife and yeah, got a stunt job and worked that for a year and we were going to be like renewed for five and it was going to be great making, you know, like 10 grand for three months working like one day a week hmm. that's awesome but we got canceled so damn it was nice well lasted <laughs> was it um i don't know did he feel like you were kind of alone in your fight to like you know pursue this dream of yours as far as like having a team of people you know sort of like the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon sort of thing. You didn't have like, when you saw that and you were like, oh, I got to create my own team. And then you try to create your own team and you saw that like people bump heads and there's a lot of ego and you didn't connect with a bunch of people. And then was it something that you were like back to square one and you're like, all right, I got to go and try to do this on my own? Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's why I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, they came out together and they were already doing stuff together there. So it's like wherever you're at, like in your hometown, like do you have to make it yourself and then maybe someone will see it and then they'll bring you as a part of their team Hmm. and you'll you'll just become one bigger team of your team plus their team. Sure. And you'll do more stuff, but you got to do stuff on your own first. Yeah. I mean, that's why YouTubers are so big nowadays, you know, because everyone's already doing that. Totally. Well, I think everything nowadays, you know, in any sort of entertainment medium requires you to 
essentially have some sort of either fan base or, you know, some market appeal. And before you even attempt to like get the attention of bigger companies and that's a result of it being so accessible. You know, anyone can do make a movie. Anyone can do what we're doing a podcast. It's, you know, 15, 20, even 10 years ago, it wasn't super easy for everyone to do it. You know, there's only like the Joe Rogans and Mark Marins and the people who started out doing it. And it was harder to find and people didn't even know how to listen to a podcast, you know, but now anyone can do it, you know, and it's just, man, I don't know. This, yeah, it's more it's more accessible now. Yeah, and even with like music and stuff, it's just and not only is it more accessible, it's people are becoming genuine like superstars by oh yeah, you know, st- starting out on these platforms. So it gives other people you know inspiration. They're like, oh, I could do it, you know, if I. And that's the good thing and the positive thing about it. But then also it kind of mutes a lot of the stuff that's coming out, and it's weird because we do live in a time where it's hard to filter man a lot of stuff that shouldn't be gaining a lot of traction gains a ton of traction and stuff that you know is really important nobody learns about you know so i don't know it's a it's a weird time totally completely and there's so many just like copies of joe rogan's and copies of other people who have already done it you know yeah. i think it's just about finding your unique voice and having your message that you're going to yeah, focus on. Sure. So what did it look like for you after, I don't know, you saw that you were kind of on your own. What was the game plan? What did you see as your way in or your way of kind of breaking the mold? Well, I wasn't on my own because I had my wife who was also an actress. Oh, okay. Um, so you sort of had yeah. like a team at that point then exactly nice so that felt good right you felt like you were not alone anymore and you were able to like take the journey on yeah yeah totally and even like when i first moved out here and i was like on my own i mean you're never on your own on your own you know what i mean you can always you can always just go outside of yourself and find people whether it's other hat you know passions or hobbies Mm mm-hmm yeah. Was that something that initially you had to do? Was I don't know. Were you always pretty extroverted with wanting to act and be in the limelight and stuff, or was it something that you had to learn when you came over here that you had to like break out of your shell and go meet people and put yourself in situations? I mean, how would you describe yourself? <laughs> An introvert or extrovert? I would say I'm introverted and like selectively extroverted yeah because i was gonna say i don't think i'm completely one or the other Mm, okay yeah yeah but definitely i I mean you would think that generally speaking most actors or people that want to get into acting are extremely extroverted you know i feel like that's one of the characteristics generally speaking but i don't know if you know any actors that are super shy and quiet no i mean most most of them are extroverted which makes a lot of them annoying (laughs) it's funny when i actually went out to like go find my group i was just searching for soccer i was like i don't want actors i just want like 
where are where can I go play soccer? Where can I get that like physical release? Because I need that. If I can't play soccer, then I can't be there mentally. You know? Sure. Let's talk my about wife that. Even, my wife even kicks me out of the house sometimes. She's like, "You need to go play soccer." Hmm. So how long has soccer been a part of your life? Oh, forever, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that has okay. been has that like. So growing up, you still wanted to be a, uh, an actor, even though soccer was such a big part of your life. You never wanted to be an athlete or go down that avenue. That was the avenue I wanted to go down. That was, I told, like, when I was in elementary school and I was in, like, kindergarten, I was like, I'm going to be a professional soccer player. Like, I have a picture from Brian McBride, Columbus Crew, like, Team USA, 1994 or whatever where they lost, they got robbed by Germany hmm. would have been, would have gone on to lose against Brazil, but still that would have been the furthest they've ever made in the world cup. But like my goal was I wanted to be a professional soccer player and then just injuries and timing and circumstances just didn't work out that way. But it was like, that's what I wanted to do more than anything. And then when I thought that that wasn't that window had kind of like passed, I was like, well, I'll still be, you know, how else can I like perform? You know, and then I shifted over to like acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that why you did the stunt work too? Because you wanted to be something physical. More... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was that something too in the movies that you watched? Did you like more slapstick type humor and something more physical in that sense or action type movies that draw you in or did it not really have anything to do with what you watched, you know, as opposed to what you wanted to act in? It's really boring being on set. <laughs> it's super boring. Hannibal Burris talks <clears throat> about it all the time. Hmm. But if you are like physically doing something, you're just like working out. Like, I mean, look at who the biggest movie stars are. You know what I mean? What, what kind of movies are they doing? They're doing stuff where they get to be physically active and yeah. play and, not be like restricted by being like all right step here and then step there and then say this line it's more like all right you're gonna go here and then you're gonna go there and you can do this line and after you've done that we'll improvise a couple lines see what you know see what works better and pick it up from there yeah so was it something that you saw that as like the way out is like even though it wasn't something that you I don't know, artistically was a fan of, it was your way into the like film industry or movie industry. Exactly. I saw that as my way of like getting into it, learning a little bit more about it, like wading into the water and doing it also from a point of not necessarily ego, but doing it more of like, I'm here to help. Like I'd be on set and, people would like mistake me for the actor that I was like stunt doubling for. Cause I'm just watching that actor and I'm just like trying to channel them and trying to channel their character and their mannerisms. And yeah, like I've played, I've played young, uh, you know, John Krasinski in the office. I've done, uh, some Australian tank aid where on uh, matador for Robert Rodriguez's show, hmm. he made up his own show and his own network to have the show that the network wouldn't give him. <laughs> nice, man. So what is that and, like? Does that inspire you to want to go out and 
start your own show and network and what does your like plan look like as far as disrupting the system my plan for like disrupting the system um especially after seeing like you know duncan trussell's midnight gospel oh yeah is like i was already thinking about animation because on my soccer team up in la one of my friends was an animator for like disney and he's like yeah if you if you write a show like i'll help you make it so i just want to like do that and get my way in that way where it's like you know look at all those people i mean look at i'm not south park but look at south park look at rick and morty look at all those you know all those guys who kind of just get to do whatever they want and say like fuck you this is my art and this is my this is like i'm making fun of things and showing my voice you know just having fun yeah and do you want it to be something i don't know how do you envision the stories you're going to tell are they going to be about current events you know like south park that you mentioned you know about like stuff that's happening in the world or do you want it to be you know a linear storyline do you want it to be character based you know how does that look um i definitely want it to be character based because those are the kinds of actors that i like and obviously if you do it like south park or do it like where you can take like things that are happening in the real world then it's just literally giving you fuel to write off of. I mean, one of my writing teachers in college was like, pick up a newspaper and just go through the newspaper articles and you'll find something like, just find something that looks odd or fun to you and like pick that and start writing off of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So writing has been a big part of your life too. How does that look? You know, how do you draw the energy to get on set and do something very physical and then how do you channel that energy of creativity that you have but in a completely different setting of having to sit down and write something you know how do how do you connect those i think i have to like i i mean i've been doing a daily workout where i do like a thousand jump ropes 100 push-ups planks wall sits And I, I always, I have to like start my day doing that and then like shower. Cause then it's like, I've gotten the physical out of me and then it's like, I've like woken my body up and I can like write and like, I feel like writing too is almost just like a emotional release of, you know, it's therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, I don't know what, uh, in all the writing that you've done, has there been a general theme throughout everything that you unconsciously have written about? Did you notice any themes when, uh, I mean, you, you are one of the few people who have read the book <laughs> that I published mm-hmm. just, just so that I could have published a book. Yeah. And it was just kind of almost, yeah, just the journal style of, journal poetry sure um but yeah i i would say it's definitely 
therapeutic. Um, I already said that. <laughs> but do you think it's been... Um, your book starts with you working at Arclight and kind of sort of what we're talking about as far as when you were in, you know, California, right? And kind of balancing two different lives of, you know, you're working there, but you're also trying to get into Hollywood and working that as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the general theme throughout it was something that comes from, I don't know. I think having something so close and looking for it and it's like attainable, but also so far away and like more realities and maybe the darkness of what you're uncertain about being more exposed and getting more ideas about something that you maybe didn't have an idea about before. And I don't know, kind of how dreams and perceptions of things change as you are more immersed in something that you may not like have known too much about before. Yeah. Like realities and awareness and stepping outside and re you know, truly understanding like the system and how to be out of the system and be free and have your own individuality and like growth on a personal, like emotional human spiritual level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did it feel to, when you're working at Arclight, which is one of the most, you know, historically, I think like one of the most famous theaters in Los Angeles and a lot of good premieres and different things like that. So you're seeing these actors and these people essentially, you know, at the pinnacle of their craft, you know, the monuments of their careers, having a film being debuted, whether they're directed it or they wrote it or they're the lead actor in it. Either way, you're sitting there and you're watching these people essentially at the finish line of a goal that you oh, have, right. you know, you're like, Oh, this is the fucking outcome. You know, you're seeing that every day or every week or whatever, you know, you're seeing these, you know, Martin Scorsese's and stuff. These people that are absolute icons walk up. How did that play on your mindset? Did that inspire you to go home every night and go, dude, that's, that's going to be me one day. And I got to just keep going with it. Or did it become something that, over time, it was almost detrimental to see that in front of your face every day. No, no, I would say it's definitely inspiring. It's definitely motivating and amazing to see because, I mean, people would people would kill to like being be able to be close to those people and like see them. And it's definitely a good experience. And it's not always premieres too because you're right in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll see people. Like I, I saw like Walton Goggins come in one time by himself just to watch a movie in the middle of the day, hmm. you know, and it was funny because he was still like dressed up like he'd be dressed up for Justified, you know. Yeah. And, it, and then you just realize it's like, oh, yeah, those people are like normal people. And that's just they've just embraced their weird uniqueness that makes them them. And they they found a way to have other people like see that and identify that and that allowed them to go on to these projects that they get to play, you know, like it's all about having fun and finding roles and doing things that speak to your like inner child, like speak to your play, yeah. your sense of play. Totally. No, it's super cool. I think that's a, 
really, really good way to look at it, you know? And then just, I mean, the proper mindset. What do you think is your, you know, your unique characteristic? Or did you feel like after you had this realization, did you kind of just have different perception of yourself and your whole self-identity kind of changed and you were more comfortable with your flaws and things Mm -hmm. that before you were more self-conscious about? Oh, yeah. The more you look at yourself and the more you, like, come to acceptance and, like, push yourself into extremes, the more comfortable you're going to become with yourself and have more of a true identity of who you are, you know? Sure. Did it also contribute to... uh... I don't know, being more confident when you went into auditions and different things like that. Um, yeah, but I got honestly, I got like burnt out with auditions because I just been doing it for a long time, and I I like only saw success here and there. And there was like a couple auditions where I saw like the the nepotism, and I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna go like find a way to do it myself," or you know. Yeah. What was the main yeah. what was the main uh thing that you learned from auditions that you would actually like think was a positive thing that you learned and you can take away from it? Um I would say a positive thing with auditions is I mean know your lines, know the dialogue and once you know it, then you can throw it away, then you can like play and figure out ways to explore the character and explore the world no i mean like uh what's something positive that you learned from it like a life skill that you're grateful for even though it didn't necessarily resolve yeah like what was something that you're like oh even though auditions were pretty like not super rad and shitty in the end or whatever you know i'm grateful that it taught me like to handle rejection or something rejection means nothing (laughs) okay yeah it's funny how you're about to like lead into that. I was like just waiting. Yeah, you your acceptance with who you are and like, oh, okay, because they weren't looking for me. Yeah, like wasn't meant to be. Everything works out for the best. You sure. Know? Just having that mentality. Yeah, I was talking to auditions. my friend um, Jaya. I did a previous episode, and she was been acting since she was very little, and she remembers like talking about similar concept, you know, about handling rejection and as an actor and just having, yeah, I guess just learning to have thicker skin from, Mm -hmm. you know, those opportunities, which are not stuff that everyone's faced with. But then at the same time, when you are faced with everyday situations and you deal with rejection, I think it almost feels, I don't know. You, you kind of have to, I mean, if you think about each audition, like a job interview, you're going on like three, four, maybe more of those a day. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So you're deep into it, man. So you're doing like four or five auditions a day. You're really grinding it out. It wasn't just uh, on the side kind of thing. So you're working what part time and just grinding. I was only going out for auditions. I did not have a job. I picked up the ArcLight job after like, half a year maybe more got nine months or so so like like when i booked that like that one job that i was talking about earlier that was like one of my first big jobs and it was just featured background like that paid 800 bucks and i was like sweet can pay off my credit card and buy and i i literally went home and like 
bought a pizza because I was like, my fridge is empty and I'm like a starving actor, like literally starving. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just going audition to audition, grinding it out and then kind of paying for bills and food and various things by the gigs, the gigs that you would get. Yeah. Wow. So how did, I mean, man, I feel like rejection from that standpoint has to sting a little bit harder than rejection if you're like don't have as much on the line you know if it like literally is the difference between paying rent and having food and like literally yeah. like livelihood i think that kind of that's higher stakes man did you go into every audition with like life and death did you read the script like until your eyes started bleeding yeah i mean as as an aspiring writer as well though like my ego would get in the way. I know this, like my ego would get in the way by like judging the scripts. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't judge the script. Even though you it know? was uh like meant you weren't going to eat for that week or whatever. You'd be like, fuck it. Like this isn't worth putting food on my table. No, no, no. I'd, I'd still go out for like every, everything. Oh, okay. I remember, I remember there was one time I was like, uh, I don't know if I should go out for this. I ended up going out for it. And then I like booked it and, worked for like a week on it <laughs> yeah it was just it was just a short little like independent independent short film yeah sure um and then like community wise have you found or like connected with any like filmmakers and stuff or have you i don't know what do you see as like the future of your writing and stuff do you want to go down the screenwriting path is that sort of what you want to do yeah, I want to go down the screenwriting and voice doing voice work. Right. And I want to tie those in together and I might even go back to school for like animation. Hmm. Um and do combine all three elements, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that would be animated series kind of thing. Right. Where you're doing the voices of all the characters and you're just you're basically just building your own playground to you yeah. know have fun and play and like be like hey you got a good voice you should come come down to the playground come play yeah <laughs> that's awesome man that sounds really really cool um yeah do you see uh i don't know what advice would you give to yourself if it was uh you know young tim getting off the plane from ohio with 1800 dollars in his pocket what would you tell him Oh, I didn't take a plane. I drove cross country like six times. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Getting off the yeah. whatever. First time I drove first time I drove out here, I drove twenty three hours straight, almost like swerved into a semi in like Amarillo, Texas. Jeez. Slept slept for three hours and then drove another fourteen hours through like a blizzard in Arizona. Huh. Up in the like pass by like the Grand Canyon. Flagstaff and slept for like 12 hours at my uncle's house in phoenix wow and then drove to like california i would say take your time enjoy you know all of the different culture that is in the vast united states and uh really enjoy the journey because life is all about the journey it's not about the end like it'll still be there you know what i mean like drive slow enjoy the little moments and write every single thing down. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. What about, um, 
real quick, let's touch on the fact that you uh, have been reading for so long. Where did that come from? And why is that such a big part of your life? Oh, yeah. That's a huge part of my life because I grew up in a family of teachers. My uh, grandma, okay. who essentially raised me, was a teacher, and my mom's a teacher. So reading's and... always been just a part of your life. Don't really know yeah. a reality without it. I don't know a reality without it. Like, I remember, you know, we we are lucky enough to be like the generation that like grew up with all of the Harry Potters coming out and aging with us as we grew up. Yeah. I don't think kids really have that today. And even before that, there was like Lord of the Rings and Sure. I think definitely something with like sci fi and fantasy and all of those otherworldly concepts. Like things that inspire imagination and creativity and just inspiration. Like those that's what life's about, you know? Yeah. And are you still reading as much as you were before has it slowed down or increased oh yeah um i usually get my books from the man booker uh that it's a award for like different new voices and that's how i'm reading like till and most of the previous books i've read have been from that list i don't know who won this year but I'm also, I've just started just to increase the the voice, the vocal practice. Um, I mean, I send it to you, like, do, making my own audiobooks. Yeah. Because, yeah. Nice, man. So, um, do you want that to become something, I don't know, do you want to do that? Like, write and read your own audiobooks, basically, and kind of create art in that way well definitely any book that i write i want to be the audiobook for it but it's also like a more i feel like i love reading and encouraging access to reading for other people whether it's audiobooks or picking up a physical book and any way i can help with that it'll be good you know Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. As always, please head to thedoublelifepod.com for more information and stories. All we ask is that you please enjoy your weekend.